Welcome to another episode of The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's episode is from the morning message of Sunday, October 1st, and is preached by our pastor, Brother Mike Sylvie. Our desire is that this message builds you up in your faith as you walk daily with Christ. Here now is Brother Mike preaching from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 12 through 15, a message titled, The Ten Commandments, An Invitation to Rest. To rest. You'll find the fourth commandment in verses 12 through 15. Interesting note is that this is the commandment that gets the most verses and um, this is the Lord's command beginning in verse 12 remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God in it you shall do no work you nor your son nor your daughter nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commands you to keep the Sabbath day. There have been times in which I have spoken to people out in neighborhoods and on the street and I've asked them the question, do you know for certain that you're going to heaven when you die? And many people will say, uh, yes, I do, or I'm working on that, or I hope so. And then I'll follow up with another question like, well, why do you have that assurance, or why do you have that kind of a hope? Uh, What's your basis for your thoughts? And many times the people will say, because I'm trying to live a good life, I'm trying to live according to the Ten Commandments. Can we live according to the Ten Commandments and be good enough to hope to be acceptable to God in our own righteousness? Well, let's give ourselves the test. The first commandment is that you have no other gods before Him. You put Him first and foremost in your life. Oh, for one, we've all broken that commandment, right? Commandment number two is you have no graven images, any images of any kind that pull your attention away from the Lord, your devotion away from the Lord, and you follow that instead of Him. We've all broken that one. Oh, for two. The third one is you do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Oh, for three, we break that one all the time. And then this one, number four, is that we... Remember the day of worship, and we keep it holy. We've all broken that. Even if you had the 20-year pen, perfect attendance, there have been some Sundays in that time in which you were here, but you were not here. (laughs) And so we've all broken the Lord's commands. And the Ten Commandments are not a, a simple list that hopefully we'll reach, you know, and we'll be good enough, and God will let us in, No, it's really a list to show us we can't make it on our own righteousness. 
We can't even get close. It teaches us that the Bible's true when it says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it also teaches this truth about grace, and that is that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because there is one that has kept all these commandments. All of them. One through ten. And all the other details that's in the Old Testament. The Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, came into this earth and the Father said, Behold my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. He said at the beginning of his life. He said that at the end of his life and his ministry uh, here on this earth. He said it over and over again. He said it when he raised him up up in the grave. He said it when, when he let him ascend to the right hand of the Father, and that's where he is today. He is our righteousness. And that's what these Ten Commandments remind us of. And that's why I call these invitations. This fourth commandment, we've all broken. We'll all still have a lot of trouble with it. I know some of you got nervous when you saw the subject today, because now the preacher's going to talk about my schedule. Did I have to come today? But really, it's an invitation as we come to the Lord by grace. It's an invitation to be brought into the Lord's way of living, His rest. And so we're going to look at it today from that viewpoint that it is a command that is still in place today. It has changed a little bit, but it, it's a it's a command that, that now, based upon our grace relationship with the Lord, that we're invited to come near to Him on a regular basis with other people of like faith in His house, and we're to rest in Him. And we can rest in Him because of His grace. As we face our eternal life, we can rest. As we face our daily life, we can rest. And we come on a Sunday, like we have today, to be reminded of that, and then to continue in that rest all week long. Now, the day of worship has changed from the original command, and we need to note that. In the notes in the outline, you'll find this information. The day of worship for believers has changed from Saturday in the Old Testament to Sunday in the New Testament. It changed from being a day of rules to a day of relationship. It was called the Sabbath. Now it's the Lord's day. It's about Him. And there are several verses in the New Testament that make it clear that what the Lord commanded in the Old Testament is now reaffirmed in the New Testament with some changes from rules to relationship, but it's still as important. And it's a day that is to be a day focused on Him. It's His day. And it's a day that we're to be brought into his rest. And we are to pattern our life after him. For your references, there are several New Testament verses I've given there. Mark chapter 2, verse 28, is where Jesus said, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. That's why we call it the Lord's Day. It's about him. And he is in control of it. If you have a question about if you should do something or should not do something on the Lord's day, ask him. He's in control. The pastor is not the spiritual police of the church. I'm not going to track you down and figure out what you're doing and what you're not doing on a Sunday. 
But I'm going to give you some principles this morning from the Lord, and you're going to, you can take them prayerfully and consider how you apply them in your life. And then as you go throughout your regular schedule, you always need to check with the Lord and run things through Him and say, Lord, is this what I'm allowed to do? Is this pleasing to you? It's the Lord's day. And Mark chapter 2, verse 28 shows us the Lord has the right to bend some rules and guidelines. He said Sabbath was not, that man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. That man would have rest and some of these other benefits. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 makes it clear that it's not about rules. Let no one judge you regarding food, drink, or a festival or Sabbaths. And so we always need to remember that based on grace, that the, the day of worship is important, but it's not a legalistic day that if you don't make enough of them, now, now you're out of God's favor. You need to pursue the Lord and do what He says, but in a relationship, it's about the person, not about rules. And so as you keep the focus of your life on the Lord, then that's where He wants it to be when it comes to the day of worship. And the early believers in the New Testament, it's clear, they met on the first day of the week. Acts chapter 20, verse 7 shows us this. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, the apostle John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and the Lord showed up. And he showed up with a personal vision of himself and all of his glory, and he showed him heaven. And John, on that Lord's day, on Sunday, in the Spirit, walked the, the streets of gold. The Lord will show up in our life on the day of worship because he has a relationship with us and he wants us to show up because he loves spending time with us. And the more that we spend time with him, the more that we become like him. And the more we become like him, the more we're blessed. That's the rest that he wants us to enter into that this day is all about. The Lord loves Sunday. He arose from the dead on Sunday. He appeared to the disciples on Sunday night. He sent the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, which was another Sunday. Who knows? He might come back on a Sunday. We'll have to see. But the Lord has a special thing in mind for this day now. It's called His day, the Lord's day. How do we make Sunday the best day of the week? Well, going back to the Ten Commandments, I think we have principles here that since the Lord still wants us to keep the spirit of this commandment uh, that we can apply to our practice of worship today. Number one, keep it holy. Again, in verse 12, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. In the Old Testament, the Lord commanded his people to be holy as I am holy. And the Lord's about holy things. The Lord is holy, and we are reminded that. We can remember that as we come into his holy house, in his holy presence, among his holy people, we open his holy book, and we hear his holy word, and then we apply it to our life and go out and live a holy life through his power and his grace, not trying to keep rules, but resting in his grace of what he's already accomplished for us. Knowing that, we love him and we seek Him, and we live life with Him, and we try to spend as much time with Him as we can. We keep it holy. So on the Lord's day, we ought to do holy things. That's why we preach the Word. That's why we come to God's house. 
And if you have a question, if you should or shouldn't do something on the Lord's Day, you ask this first question, is it holy? Is it appropriate in the Lord's presence? Number two, the way to make Sunday the best day of the week is you rest in the Lord. The commandment makes it clear that uh, there's not to be normal activity so that they may rest. Verse 14, at the very end of the, the verse, it uses that word rest. The, fir, the um, other list of the Ten Commandments that we find in Old Testament in Exodus chapter 20 also mentions rest, and there it says that we should rest because the Lord rested on the seventh day at creation. And so the idea of rest here is that we cease from our normal activities and we focus on the Lord. Now this word rest, by definition, is helpful to us as we think about what we would not do or should do on a day of rest. The word means to be quiet, to settle down, to lay down, and to quieten the mind. And so the Lord is making it clear here that uh, he wants us to pull away from normal activity so that we can get some rest, be quiet in his presence. Why? Because when you're, when you're rested, you're more focused. When we're tired, it's hard to concentrate. It's hard to think. It's hard to talk. And so when we're rested, now we can really focus on the Lord and we can talk to him and pray and receive things from him and really receive all that he has for us. He wants us to truly be here as we're here. And so we make it a day of rest. So Brother Mike, are you saying that <clears throat> this means that we can't do any work on the day of worship? No, the Bible makes it clear that there are some exceptions. Jesus was approached by Pharisees after they went, Jesus and his disciples went and got a meal out of the grain fields on the Sabbath, they said, you've broken the Sabbath, you did some work. And that's when Jesus said, the Son of Man's Lord's Sabbath. And if he needs a meal on the Sabbath, that's fine. And so they did what was necessary work. I think that's the way we need to think about it. Necessary work on the day of worship is permitted. The Lord said, if your ox falls in the pit or in the ditch, and what man of you will not reach down and pick him up, get him up out of it? And so there's some necessary work that needs to be done sometimes seven days a week. Some of you are in the medical profession. If I were to have a heart attack on Sunday while I'm preaching, not predicting that, don't want that, but if that were to happen, I need you at the hospital, at the ER, not here at the church. Right? And so there are some work that uh, is necessary. First responders, public safety workers. There, there are some times of necessity when we've got to show up for work. That's understandable. The Lord understands that. Again, it's not about rules, it's about relationship. But we need to ask him. Lord, they want me to work overtime. And I've been working all this time. And boy, it would be good to have this extra money so I can go get a boat. <laughs> Should I do this? Can I duck out and Brother Mike won't notice? <laughs> it's not about me. And it's not about you. It's about him. So you ask him. And whatever he says, that's what you can do. It's the Lord's day. 
But he wants us to have rest so that we can receive all from him that, that we need and that we can plug into, remember everything that he's, he's done for us. And so it's rest from non-necessary work, but it's also rest, the scripture shows us, from just pleasurable activities that we might otherwise want to do because we've got some extra time. I refer, to you, uh, I refer you to Isaiah chapter 58. Uh, this is a companion text that gives us some uh, understanding about the Lord's thinking on the Sabbath day. Here in Isaiah chapter 58, the Lord is talking to his people and about how they had strayed away from him. And he begins to talk about their practices on the Sabbath day. And here's what he says in verse 13 of Isaiah 58. He says, if you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not doing your own ways, not finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth. I think that's helpful um, commentary from the scripture. What can you do and not do on the Lord's day and it be permissible to him? He's telling us here he wants the focus to be on him, not on us. And it talks about pleasure here. And we live in a culture today in which pleasure and leisure and sports and all that is becoming a seven-day-a-week pursuit. And there's nothing wrong with getting away. There's nothing wrong with going to the lake, going, playing a game or whatever. Um, but we have to ask ourselves, on this day, the day is to be holy, the day that is to be about the Lord, should I or should not not pursue this activity? And again, you need to ask the Lord. You ask what he says and what he wants you to do. But he says here that he wants us to be careful that we're not making it about our own pleasure. Did they have sports back then? Could they have been talking about that? Well, I looked it up, and actually, by the time that Isaiah wrote Isaiah 58, the Olympic Games had been going on for 30 years. They had sports. I grew up playing sports. I understand this tension. I sat in the back row of this very church on some Sunday nights and Wednesday nights while my team was playing a game or was at practice. And I didn't like it. But my dad told us as we grew up, he said, you can play sports if you like to, but the Lord's day is for the Lord. And when church is going on, we're going to be at church. And you'll have to miss games, you have to miss practice. As long as you understand that, you can sign up for any sport you want to sign up for. And so there were some times on a Sunday night Wednesday night, boy, this one hurt the most on a, on a weeknight because revival services were going on here at church and there were games that, uh, that I missed. I didn't appreciate it as much then, but here's what it taught me. It taught me there was more life than fun and games and sports. And I learned that fun and games and sports will not get you to the hard times in life, but the Lord will. And if you put him first, he'll be there for you when it's not fun anymore. That's why we need to make it all about Him 
one day a week, the day he's asked for, that we rest in him and we pull away from non-necessary work and we pull away from our own pursuits and, and we let him direct us and we let him fill up our day with things that we need. Do you have to tap, take a nap on Sundays? Well, I don't think necessarily you need to, but try it. You might like it. The older you get, the more you'll like it. So number one, we keep it holy. Number two, we rest in the Lord. Number three, we delight in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 5, and in verse 15, he says, Remember that you are a slave, but then you've been set free. You have something to celebrate. I set you free. And I want you to always go back to that and remember how to change your life. I've set you free. So when you come into my house, as he says in Psalm 100, he says, enter into my gates with thanksgiving and into my courts with praise. Begin your week like this. Think about me and how I've set you free and I've changed your life. Yeah, you still got problems and still, yeah, you still get headaches and still you don't feel good, but you got something to praise the Lord for and you come into his house and you praise him no matter how you feel because you know what he's done for you. And as you do that, it begins to turn things around in your life. And he begins to show up. The Bible says that he inhabits the praise of his people. That means that when you began to sing, he came by. And he was a part of this. And he's a part of this now as his word is being preached. And he blesses those. He fills those who praise him. And if we honor him, he'll honor us. This is what we do on his day. We delight in him. And then number four, we... We work to set others free. And I believe this is the spirit of verse 15 as well because what the Old Testament Sabbath was about was setting the people free. What the Lord's Day about, what he did on the Lord's Day is about setting people free. And so there is some work to be done on Sunday for the preacher, for church staff, for volunteers, for ministers, Sunday, many times, is the busiest day of the week. And there's nothing wrong with that. As you focus on the Lord's work and what he's wanting us to do, and there's much we need to do. We live in a culture which now has turned away from what they call the institutional church. There are many people that say, oh, I love the Lord, but I don't want anything to do with the institutional church. They've been hurt by someone. They've had a bad experience. They... They didn't get anything out of it at a certain time. And so they say, church, it doesn't work. They, they need to understand what church is about and what the Lord's day is about. And they learn that and they see that from how we act on the day. And we need to have some things in our day on Sunday that will make a difference in this culture that has turned so far away. I mean, we used to have blue laws in our country in which most businesses could not work by law on Sunday. Today, it's getting to where that's turned back around, and most businesses are now opening on Sundays, and only very few do not. And so our cultures change. Used to, there were no games on Sunday. 
organized sports. Now, Spring Lake Park's filled every weekend. And our grandkids are involved in, in teams that are taking them away seven days a week. We've got a culture that's going in that way. And I know it's not an easy thing because there's all kinds of peer pressure. And there's all kinds of things. We want our kids to be in positive things. But the culture is taking us somewhere that Christians cannot go if you follow it to its logical end. Because when I was growing up, the things that were outside of church that competed with church happened every once in a while. And most of the time, people were free on Sundays to go to church. Today, now, all these things that compete, it's all the time. And there are some people that are following the culture rather than Christ, and, and what they're doing in seasons of their life is they're, they're following these other things all the time, and then occasionally they're dropping into church, where it used to be the other way around. So what's it going to be like next? the next step we go if we follow it to its logical end? It is that we, we don't have room for church at all because we, we've, we've not centered our life around the Lord. And so what's he doing for us? Why not go against after that other trophy? Why not go after the fame and glory that sports gives and everything else? So that's where the culture's going. And we as parents and grandparents just need to recognize that. But this is not the first time it's happened. You see, these early believers, when Christ first made this day a holy day, they lived in a culture in which Sunday was just the first day of the week. And they had to meet around their regular culture activities. But they made it work, and they sacrificed, and they did what it took. And then eventually they had such an influence that eventually the culture changed, and the culture recognized Sunday as a holy day. And but now we're coming back around full circle. What can change it back? What can influence it in a positive way? Doing the Lord's work on the Lord's day. Again, Isaiah 58 is very helpful to us. It shows us five spiritual works that God's looking for on the Lord's day. And I'll touch on these very quickly, and then you'll have the message this morning. Isaiah 58, and verse 6 and 7, gives us, the Lord gives us five activities on the holy day that he commends. He says, not this, the fast that I've chosen. In other words, the time that you pull away from normal things. Here's what I want you to be doing. He said, number one, to loose the bonds of wickedness. So the Lord wants us on his day to be preaching his word. This word that's like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. It breaks the bondage that the world is in. He wants us to preach this word and then take this word into people's lives. He wants us to live this word before them. And so as we do that, we are loosing the bonds of wickedness. Number two, undoing heavy burdens is also mentioned there in verse 6. And so... People who are bound in all kinds of things and their life is overburdened. We need to take the Lord's power to them and apply the Lord's power to their life. And on a, a day of worship, we have more opportunity to do that. Do you have trouble during the week to find time to pray? All of us do. But on Sunday, if we clear our schedule and it's about the Lord, we have more time to pray. And that's one thing we ought to be doing on a Sunday. 
We do that here corporately. But then once you go back home and you're not struggling against the clock, we ought to take time to pray for our loved ones who are away from the Lord, who are bound. Jesus said, this kind only comes forth. This kind of bondage is only broken. As he talked about a very diff- difficult situation that was brought to him, he says it only comes out by prayer and fasting. That's serious prayer. When do we have time to do that? We should make time on Sundays to do that, the Lord's saying. And through that prayer, we then see his power come and we see him work, and then we have even more reason to rejoice in him as we, as we gather and prayerfully gather them with others who have been touched by him. A third thing he says here in verse 6 is that we help the oppressed go free. He says literally, let the oppressed go free. How are we set free? Jesus said, by knowing the truth, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So teaching godly principles, and we do that on Sunday, it will set people free. And on Sundays we have opportunity, we should possibly bring people into our life, into our home, to try to teach them, disciple them, to help set them free. Take time to do that. Then he talks about breaking every yoke in verse 6. Again, this is teaching, discipling believers about how to live in the Lord. And then finally he says, the breaking of bread to bless others in need. Verse 7, is it not to share your bread with the hungry that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh? There are a lot of people out in our community that are disconnected with anything religious and they don't know that what we have here can change their life. How will they know some of us need to take it to them and we go to them and offer them something that will help them Invite them to come and eat a meal with us and around a table share about the spiritual food that's changed our life. To share our bread with someone in need. The Lord names this and says, this is what I'd love to see on my day. It's people out there in the ditches that have fallen. They get a hand up. And they're brought to me. And they are free as well. And they begin to rest in me. Sunday should be the best day of the week. It's a priority. Did you hear in history about the man who served as president of our country for only one day? It's an interesting term of events. It happened back in 1849. As James Polk was finishing his presidency, at midnight on March 3rd, he was out of office, but his successor, General Zachary Taylor, who was supposed to be um, sworn in on March the 4th, refused to do so. Why would he do that? Because March the 4th that year fell on a Sunday. He said going to church was a higher priority for him than becoming president of the United States. President Zachary Taylor. So the inauguration was postponed until Monday. 
March the 5th. So who's going to run the country on March the 4th? Well, the senator at that time who was named the Senate Pro Tem, if you know some of your civics, that is the person in the Senate who is the second highest, who's actually at that time was the second in line to the presidency. They've changed that a little bit now. But uh, for one day, this senator was president, all because the elected president said, I'm not going to do this on a Sunday. It's important. In the Old Testament, the day of worship was about duty. It was about us. It was about keeping rules. But in the New Testament, it's changed, and now it's about devotion. Duty says, I ought to. Devotion says, I want to. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Central Word. Our prayer is that this message will encourage you in your walk with Christ as we dive into God's Word each and every week. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you in the week to come.